Hi, everybody, and welcome to Macro Markets with Guggenheim Investments, where we invite leaders from our investment team to offer their analysis of the investment landscape and the economic outlook. I'm Jay Diamond, Head of Thought Leadership for Guggenheim Investments, and I'll be your host today. We are recording this episode on September 12, 2022. In June and July, markets traded in a relatively range-bound fashion, but the combination of hot readings in the job market and hawkish Fed speak from Jackson Hole changed all of that. If investors took time off in August, they came back after Labor Day to find the yield curve higher and a little less inverted, and the S&P 500 down almost 10% from the August peak. With the two-year Treasury yield now in the 3.5% range and the 10-year yield hovering around 3.3%, the market waits with bated breath for the next rate decision by the Fed at the September 21st FOMC meeting and for any clues about the course of policy through the end of the year and beyond. Here on Macro Markets, we will use this waiting period to turn our attention to a topic of interest to anyone with a long-term view of sustainability, and that is how to meet the significant global need for sustainable infrastructure. Joining me today are Jim Pass, a Senior Managing Director and Head of Project Finance for Guggenheim Investments. And our special guest is Kate Newman from the World Wildlife Fund, where she is the Vice President for Sustainable Infrastructure and Public Sector Initiatives. Kate and Jim are here to talk about the most recent research collaboration between Guggenheim and the World Wildlife Fund, a survey of infrastructure investors and developers released just last month. A link to the report, which is called Testing Industry Attitudes Toward a Common Reporting Approach for ESG Data Users in Infrastructure Investment, can be found in the show notes for this podcast. Now, Guggenheim and the World Wildlife Fund, the world's leading conservation organization, have cooperated for many years on a range of activities related to sustainability and the environment. This collaboration has continued through the present day with our combined work to advance the goal of establishing metrics and standards for measuring and reporting the sustainability of infrastructure developments, which we believe to be an essential element for achieving the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and for attracting institutional capital to this important asset class. Now, with that intro over, let's bring in Jim Pass and Kate Newman. Welcome, Jim, and welcome, Kate, and thanks for chatting with us today. Thanks. Great to be here. Well, Kate and Jim, uh, Guggenheim and the World Wildlife Fund, it might not be that well-known, have been working together in a variety of ways over the years. How did your partnership come about? Sure, Jay. And, uh, you know, first of all, I do want to express my gratitude to Kate to join us all the way from Geneva, Switzerland today. But, Jay, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, really, Guggenheim and WWF have been together from a collaborative partnership, um, you know, I'd say probably over the last, you know, seven years, 10 years. Um, It all started when Scott Minard and Carter Roberts, um, the president of the WWF, um, all met at a conference on sustainability and the Arctic, um, which really was um, where all this started. And it is easy as just having a dinner and having an an open conversation and found out rather quickly that um, there's a lot of collaboration and sharing of values 
that um, you know brought us to where we are today and the partnership is as strong as it was when it started. And we look forward to continuing it in the future. The WWF and Guggenheim Investments are very different organizations, and it would seem to be an unusual pairing given how different you are. But clearly, there are different strengths that each organization brings to this partnership. You know, what are they, and, and why do you think it works for you? Kate, you want to start? Yes. We were really trying to understand this very complex sector that um, has an impact on biodiversity contributes to climate change in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, but is absolutely essential to everybody's lives and is the foundation of economies and is critical to the future. Part of the global goals is uh, actually you can find infrastructure in almost every one of them as an essential part of moving forward. But there needs to be a greater harmony between this sector that is one of the most uh, impactful sectors on how humans use resources and use land and water. And uh, after agriculture, infrastructure is the most impactful outside of urbanization. Yet we didn't have that clear understanding of the steps that are taken, the decision-making, the types of data needed and so forth. So we found in this collaboration that we had a greater understanding of how decisions are made and what, what's needed to approach sustainability while learning more about how the investment community makes decisions upstream where they operate um, and, and hopefully come together to find sustainable solutions that can drive the future of infrastructure in a better direction. And Jim, how has the World Wildlife Fund's core competencies uh, been helpful to you in your work at, uh, at Guggenheim as the head of project finance? You know, it, it, it's been um, a very interesting and very helpful and informative journey. Um, it's opened our eyes to analyzing projects or assessing projects, um, not just from a credit or a, you know, from a fundamental perspective, but also what other issues from a nature-based solution or from, from an animal perspective or from a natural resource perspective. And I think it's been extremely helpful um, you know, as we analyze projects, you know, not just in North America, but, you know, globally, in particular, as we wanted to identify how really the United Nations SDGs could be applicable and, and really working with a partner that has very similar values, but just from a different industry allows us a full opportunity or a full menu to assess projects with our core fundamental strength of what we do on a day, day in and day out basis, also bring in a different perspective. So then we can be even better investors, you know, for our clients. A unifying theme throughout your collaboration uh, has been the importance of standardizing metrics and reporting methodologies for ESG and sustainability of infrastructure projects. Now, why is this so important? And why is it so important now? Jim, do you want to start? Sure. And as we all know, I mean, just look at the headlines out of Washington over the last, um, you know, probably two, three months. We have a, a very significant infrastructure bill. We have another Inflation Reduction Act that is getting additional money to renewable energy sector and so forth. Um, ultimately, there's about a four and a half trillion um, dollar need in capital investment between now and 2030 
to implement the United Nations Global Goals for Sustainable Development. The government sector on a global basis can't um, produce and you know, be left alone to finance all that. So we need to attract private capital. And one of the emphasis going back to really that initial conversation with Scott and Carter was how do we get common standards? Infrastructure projects, um, making sure that they're safe, they're reliable, and most importantly, sustainable infrastructure. But ultimately, since infrastructure projects can be measured financially, we've been very supportive on trying to come up with a, a toolbox to measure them on sustainability. But ultimately, if something can be measured, we can manage it. And so a common goal of getting unified standards is to give asset managers, financial managers around the world a common tool so that we can look at a project very similarly how a UK asset manager may look or an asset manager um, in Asia, that we're all looking at it on a um, very uniform basis. Why is this important now, though? This, uh, this importance of, of bringing more capital into uh, sustainable infrastructure investing. It's very interesting. The, the interest in, um, in this sector, in ESG, environment, social governance factors, seems to have been growing stronger and stronger since 2015 when the, the world agreed on the sustainable development goals. At the same time, countries where we work in the emerging and developing economies, um, there's been a dramatic need to ratchet up their investment in basic infrastructure um, delivery. And they're finding, as, as Jim already said, um, their government resources aren't covering it and their own private sector is not covering this adequately. But at the same time, they're holding some of the most precious biodiversity on earth and are also being impacted directly by climate change first. Uh, unfortunately, they contribute the least, but they're getting um, hit hardest, earliest by the impacts of climate change. So there's these incredible stressors on these economies to get their infrastructure going and to have it be resilient uh, and flexible enough to handle the future. So we're working on the ground in countries that are asking us questions about how they can create a sustainable development framework for their countries, including all this infrastructure, but not undermine the ecosystems that are delivering their agriculture, their um, um, natural resources that they depend on for their economies and their local livelihoods. And we found as we've sought out consulting support that there are seven 70, 80 different standards out there. There isn't one that we can carry into the Ministry of Transport or Public Works and say, this is how you build sustainable infrastructure so that your ecosystems are secured. If our colleagues on the ground can deliver really sustainable assets, the investors will be interested and they will then help close the gap, the finance, infrastructure finance gap in some of the countries that need it the most around the world but do it sustainably. That's the, the objective that we're seeking together. To advance this goal of 
finding and identifying these standards and, and increasing the usage of standards like this. Guggenheim and World Wildlife Fund have now collaborated or, or co-commissioned uh, several reports. Jim, tell us about these reports and how they have led to the most recent study uh, that you worked on together, which was released just last month. Um, right. And, you know, I think, Jay, the, the story is probably very typical um, with investment planning and investment managing. You, um, you know, we need a roadmap on designing a portfolio or designing an investment strategy. So we've worked with um, Kate and her colleagues and have commissioned, as you said, um, co-commissioned three reports. Um, we started by working with the Project Center at Stanford where we asked them to look at all the standards and protocols that have been um, released, um, you know, whether from governments or from not-for-profit organizations or even for-profit organizations that were used to analyze methodologies for determining sustainability. And one of the, the biggest outcome in that desktop study that one can imagine is that everybody wanted to put their own name on, a, on an approach or a framework so we are diverging, that we needed to really apply that knowledge and see which of those studies or which ones of those methodologies really could work um, to give investors like ourselves um, a really good insight into infrastructure projects. So the second study was done in 2020 when we had engaged KPMG and Mott McDonald. Um, KPMG has a sustainable institute out of Holland, and we asked them, working with Mott, to apply some of those methodologies that Stanford identified to two different projects, but they both were operating. One was a, a transportation project in Latin America, um, in Colombia, and the second one was a desalination plant um, in Southern California in Carlsbad. And ultimately, the objective in both was to assess the effectiveness and practicalities of these standards that were identified in the Stanford study, and would they actually show value to, to our investors? And what was interesting is that there was value, but some of the generalities just really weren't as definitive as, as I think we all would like when we assess a, an investment opportunity. So... What the third report was, which you referenced, which was just um, released about, I guess, a month and a half ago, was working with, with Cade and others. One thing that we noticed was the definition of sustainability was still very broad and had a different meaning for engineers, for investors, to operators, developers, and whoever else was in the infrastructure sector. So again, we worked with the WWF, um, KPMG and Mott McDonald to develop a survey where we were able to issue the survey to many of our um, you know, colleagues, um, our participants, whether, you know, wherever they may be located. And the report highlights those, um, those findings. And I think the biggest thing that came out of that study was that you know, there's still leadership needed the focus here and this time was on data, which has always been really interesting for our community. Uh, of course, data means different things to the investor and the analyst than it does to the scientist on the ground um, that we might be working with. 
But since we are data gatherers and uh, since a lot of our, our work is spent on using data to identify where things stand in the natural systems uh, and how humans are impacting them and where then we can take that information and help guide different approaches for gaining more sustainable outcomes, let's say. This was a case where we're now looking from the inside of the sector and asking the folks who are working on it day to day, what would it take for you to get the right information? And are you getting the right information from the people that you normally go to? Now let's um, dive a little bit more into the, the newest uh, study. Jim, can you tell us a little bit more about how this report was organized and conducted? Sure. The purpose of the report was to solicit feedback on ESG framework, standards, principles, and, and, and ultimately, how do we design and build sustainable infrastructure? Working again with KPMG and Mott McDonald, the report was um, conducted in three phases. Um, there was a desktop review, which was um, very, very similar to our process that we engaged the Stanford Project Center back in 2017. Um, you know, they involved 29 ESG case studies. There was a tremendous amount of questions and surveys that were distributed to a wide potential respondents. Um, and then following those response, there was industry survey that both focused on qualitative as well as quantitative um, you know, aspects of an infrastructure project. And you know, 31 data users responded while 19 data preparers participated. So 50 participants responded, which again, I thought was a very strong number. And then the last part of our report there were interviews that were conducted by KPMG and Mott McDonald to clarify some of their responses or comments on the survey. And KPMG elected to talk to six data users and then eight data preparers. So we got a pretty good perspective on what was out there and some of the challenges that are still facing um, what I would call this new asset class, which is sustainable infrastructure. What are the key takeaways uh, of the report for folks who are going to read it? Well, one of them, which I think is just a, a no-brainer for folks in the industry, but one that really strikes me is this universal demand for simplification. And it's sort of something that folks remind us of consistently when we talk about biodiversity in particular, that it's so complex and it's so localized that it's hard for analysts to figure out how they could possibly add data to the issue of biodiversity and then fit it into their analyses for looking into investments, um, risk return and so forth. We're not providing good, simple, straightforward information on biodiversity that allows it to be addressed early on in the process of analyzing a particular asset. It can come later as a qualitative issue during a environmental impact assessment phase, for example. But our vision is that we enable investors to understand risks really early on and understand the, the potential role of the asset in building back biodiversity. So how can we generate 
simple and more straightforward and more user-friendly data related to biodiversity. So that was the first recommendation from both groups that really hit home to me, this need to um, get more organized about simplifying the data that's needed for this aspect of the E and ESG. But Jim, you can add perhaps on the others. I think the takeaway, in, in my opinion, would be that the markets um, need assistance. Um, if we leave it to self-regulation, you know, it, it's not going to happen in a very timely manner and projects will not be funded that can be defined as sustainable infrastructure on a global basis. There's too many standards, so it, it, it leads to you know inconsistencies, lack of coordinations, and so ultimately, you know, it's kind of where we are and, and you know, we, we've been talking about this for a long time and, you know, going back to the SDGs and ESG and, and, and really the whole movement, there's a tremendous amount of capital that's flooding the market, but at the same time, you now have regulators raising concerns. So ultimately, I think the survey showed us that there has to be a change, a change in the approach. We need more collaboration between public and private sectors project designers, everybody has to have a seat at the table. And that table obviously will be rather large. But as soon as we have more standardized baseline of ESG metrics, better reliable data, then I think we'll begin to see better projects being designed and better projects being funded. And ultimately, I, I think if you look at all three reports together, you'll see that common thread. So Jim and Kate, we, we've, we've got these research reports uh, that demonstrate that, that the market wants to have these types of standards, but they need a push uh, to get there, whether it's from uh, in, investors themselves asking for more commonly held um, metrics and measurements or from governments and regulators uh, demanding it. But where does the industry head from here? What are the next steps to achieving this goal of common standards in sustainable infrastructure. Jim, do you want to start? Where does the industry go from here and sustainable infrastructure? I think it has to um, still be very proactive. It has to lead. It has to get data that we have to get it uniformed. And, you know, that relationship and really, you know, going to our values um, from the WWF and ourselves is still front and center. But it's not going to get that free pass that I think it ha has had on a going forward basis. It really has to listen and adapt. And I think when you talk about energy cost or inflation that you know, was not part of the conversation 10 years ago, there's different concerns that the financial um, stakeholders now have to address. And that in turn will address how we look at different projects. And so sustainable infrastructure to become an attractive long-term investment opportunity, but the journey continues. And Kate, what do you think the next steps are? Well, as Jim said, I'm in Geneva and I'm in Geneva for the International Federation of Consulting Engineers Annual Infrastructure Conference. Uh, it's our first time at one of these meetings, but we've just entered an agreement with them to look at that uh, middle phase of the infrastructure life cycle where the design and the building starts to uh, occurs. 
Actually, they asked us for advice because they are asking these same questions that Jim was just outlining. The stakeholders are making demands on the types of assets to be built, the requirements they want to, want to see, low carbon, hopefully nature sensitive. Um, and how is that translating into a different way of actually building these assets? And their remarkable questions being asked on the stage about exactly the same one we're asking ourselves, what's next? Um, with that demand increasing and the pressure of climate's impact on us so visible to everybody right now, there's a lot of change that affects how decisions are gonna be made, but that's also as everybody this week has been saying, and we've been saying in our project, there's a, a, an opportunity in all of this to do it right as we move forward, to take all these lessons and understand that people are actually now demanding it, which is great, and start figuring out how to meet that demand with these better options. And then what we're finding on the ground is since there's a strong recognition by the countries we work in that they would love to have more private finance um, available to them to build out the infrastructure they need. That's an incentive for them. There's a lot of power in the finance sector to signal what you're looking for and making that information available in the countries that we're talking about so that they can actually provide that certainty you look for and create sustainable options that meet the requirements of the investment community and attract more investment in and then ultimately create a more sustainable um, community, both on the biodiversity side and the climate side, and of course the social side. So this is a virtuous cycle here, the investment community asking for more sustainable assets is a big incentive for people to actually meet those demands. And that's where we can come in on the ground in these other countries and, and sort of help with the remodeling and the redesign and the more sustainable options so that it be, they become more attractive uh, to the investment community. Your report uh, concludes uh, that the time is now for achieving these uh, universal sustainability standards. Um, how close are we to this actually happening? Well, I, I'll offer one, Jim, and um, one indicator. <laughs> that the multilateral development banks who make it clear that they are very interested in, in bringing private investment into to sustainable infrastructure around the world, they're actually collaborating across the banks on shared indicators for sustainability in infrastructure investing. Um, they've only been developing that in the past few years, but they're collaborating in, in ways that they often have not in the past to try to get that continuity um, in what we all want to call sustainable investment, which I, again, I think will help your private investment community identify good assets to get involved in. And if, if they're creating that momentum around the, the indicators and the core targets, that could then influence the other aspects of data collection, perhaps. Jim, what are your thoughts? Progress has been made, but more progress is needed. Anytime you try and do a global 
partnership between private sector and public sector with different uh, emerging markets, Western markets, and just look at the challenges that we hear during the UN um, you know, General Assembly week. I, I, I think at some point, we're going to run out of options. I mean, we're going to have to have some type of standard um, because ultimately we need to have a, a joint effort to, to build our infrastructure globally. And there has to be incentives, you know, from, you know, the government to do it, incentives for the financial community to participate. And ultimately, I think there's been a lot of progress, Jay, but I would say that, you know, much, much more work has to get done. If you have this conversation a year, a year from now, hopefully we're talking about different standards um, that we've narrowed the field, but we'll just have to um, take one step at a time. Thank you again, uh, Jim and, and, and Kate. Uh, thank you very much for being actually our, our first uh, non-Guggenheim guest on our podcast. I really appreciate your being here. But uh, before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, Jim, you go first, and then Kate, you'll get the last word. Sure, Jay. And well, well thanks for hosting. And Kate, thanks for um, you know, participating all the way from Geneva. I would say the the takeaway that I see is that every day we utilize infrastructure. Um, obviously, that's my focus at Guggenheim for investing. And so I'm very close to it. But if there's different ideas or different thoughts that one has, I, you know, feel free to reach out. But ultimately, we want to, um, you know, push this along as best we can. I think that's the key is to continue having a conversation, addressing these issues, because ultimately, um, you know, we, we need to find solutions um, as we go forward. Thanks, Jim. It's, it's been great to be here. And as I said earlier, it's great working with, with Guggenheim partners on this. It's been so much that I've been learning. And on my learning journey, I attended the Berlin Infrastructure Investors Summit this year and had also attended in 2019. And what a big difference between those two years in terms of what the investments community was was worried about and talking about in the halls, and it's being exacerbated by climate change. And what we found from the investor group is that they were seeking answers. They were seeking places to go to understand how to address this aspect of ESG and aren't very satisfied. And I have to say that I was very proud to say that I was working with in a company and we've been working on it for years now. That's really exploring how this is gonna work and trying to find the answers that make sense for this industry and actually putting in the time and the research to explore what's going on, what can be changed and how we in this partnership and you independently can make some change in the sector so that we can actually achieve sustainability. So it's cutting edge stuff and I'm very proud to be with you on this. So thanks a lot for this third effort, and I look forward to more. Absolutely. Well, it's a great common shared objective, and we all have mutual interests here um, from our different perspectives. Uh, and Jim, maybe we should take you up on your idea and speak again in a year and uh, compare notes on how far we've come. Um, but thanks again for your time, Kate and Jim. Uh, we do hope you'll come and uh, keep us abreast of developments uh, as they occur. Great. Thank you. Thank Jay. you. Bye-bye. My thanks once again to Jim Pass and especially to Kate Newman. And thanks to all of you who joined us for our podcast. If you like what you are hearing on Macro Markets, 
please rate us five stars. And if you have any questions for our podcast guests, please email us at macromarkets at guggenheiminvestments.com and we will do our best to answer them, either on air on a future episode or offline. I'm Jay Diamond, and we look forward to gathering again for the next episode of Macro Markets with Guggenheim Investments. In the meantime, for more of our thought leadership, visit guggenheiminvestments.com slash perspectives. So long. Important notices and disclosures. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. Infrastructure investments may be subject to a variety of risks, not all of which can be foreseen or quantified, including operating, economic, environmental, commercial, currency, regulatory, political and financial risks. Investing in a specific sector such as infrastructure is more volatile than investing in a broadly diversified portfolio, and there is greater risk due to the concentration of holdings in issuers of similar offerings. Sustainability requirements, including environmental, social and governance or ESG obligations, may limit available investments, which could hinder performance when compared to strategies with no such requirement. This podcast is distributed or presented for informational or educational purposes only and should not be considered a recommendation of any particular security, strategy or investment product, or as investing advice of any kind. This material is not provided in a fiduciary capacity may not be relied upon for or in connection with the making of investment decisions and does not constitute a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. The content contained herein is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal or tax advice and or a legal opinion. Always consult a financial tax and or legal professional regarding your specific situation. The opinions contained herein are subject to change without notice. Forward-looking statements, estimates and certain information contained herein are based upon proprietary and non-proprietary research and other sources. Information contained herein has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but are not assured as to accuracy. No part of this material may be reproduced or referred to in any form without express written permission of Guggenheim Partners LLC. There is neither representation nor warranty as to the current accuracy of nor liability for decisions based on such information. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Guggenheim Investments represents the investment management businesses of Guggenheim Partners, LLC. Securities are distributed by Guggenheim Funds Distributors, LLC.